Good to see you here this morning. My name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect. If you've not experienced that in a shopping center parking lot, then it hasn't really begun Christmas. But if you have, then you'll know that Christmas is on its way. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, I always feel like, you know, Thanksgiving just kind of gets underway or just out of the way, and then boom, Christmas is upon us. And some people are like, bah, humbugs. They just refuse to get into the spirits. They just, uh, it just is all happening too much. Other people are like embracing it. They got 106.9 on Christmas music all day long. The tree's already up. The lights are on it. Um, and then maybe you're part of that group this morning who just gets frustrated at the commercialization of Christmas. It's taken away the real meaning of what Christmas is all about. And actually, in this series, Christmas at the Movies, we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit because what we want to show you is that um, underneath all the holiday cheer and the decorations and the Christmas music and the Christmas movies, there is actually a much deeper message, the real meaning of what Christmas is all about. So we're going to try over these next few weeks to peel back some of those layers. We're going to look at maybe one of your favorite Christmas movies over the next few weeks. Peel back those layers just a little bit and see if we can uncover the true meaning of Christmas, the great story of what Christmas is all about. So anyone here already watched their favorite Christmas movie? Has anyone already started? Yep, well done, a few of you, okay. Uh, I'm not sure what your uh, favorite Christmas movie is. Maybe we'll cover it here in the next few weeks. Um, Maybe it'll be a a classic from years ago. Maybe it'll be a more modern one. Uh, Maybe yours is this uh, classic Christmas movie about a husband trying to get back home at Christmas time just to be with his wife. Uh, I'm sure you remember, it's a great story and... um, she was at work. It was the, her office's Christmas party. Uh, she worked in an office in a place called Nakatomi Plaza. Uh, of course, I'm talking about that classic Hallmark special, Die Hard, a uh, great Christmas movie. Uh, that won't be one of the movies we're covering in our uh, series in the next few weeks. We'll probably go a little bit more family-friendly with some of our movies. In fact, this morning, we want to uh, kick off by looking at a particular Christmas classic And I'm so glad you came this morning uh, to be a part of our service, because if you didn't, you'd have missed out. You'd have been stuck home alone. Check out this.
Yes, it was Home Alone, the story of a young Kevin McAllister who uh, is all excited about this trip. He's going to go on with his family, and they leave without him. They leave him home alone. Now, uh, I know you're probably sitting out there today thinking, such a silly movie, like that would ever happen. But there have been some Sunday mornings here at Connect where I've been stood in the foyer and I've seen a youngster. I'm like, hey, buddy, uh, where's your mom and dad? And, oh, they both left. (laughs) And uh, this will happen occasionally. Uh, Parents will come in two separate cars and then they'll leave after church and both will assume that the other one took their kid home. And it always gets worked out normally by Sunday afternoon, Monday at the latest, they realize, and uh, we get their kid back to them. But, uh, but that is the premise of this movie, that everyone assumes that Kevin's with someone else, and off they go on this vacation. Now, um, throughout this series, we're going to look at some of these movies. We're going to see if we can um, find some, some spiritual application there, you know, maybe tie it in with the, the Christmas story somehow. And when you think about Home Alone, you know, maybe it's overcoming the enemy, you know, these uh, burglars that were trying to break in. That's what we think of when we think about this movie. Maybe it's feeling like we're alone sometimes. There's all sorts of different things we could talk about, but I'm actually going to take a, a, a little bit of a different um, angle here this morning. I want to take us back to the very first Christmas, talk about that um, through the idea of the people that were invited to come and see Jesus. Because this is a season where um, invitations will go out. You'll get invitations this season to go to family gatherings. You may get an invitation to go to a a preschool Christmas program of some sort. Maybe there'll be an invitation from the place you work to come to a Christmas party and you and your spouse get to go along together. And some of those invitations, when they arrive, you'll be excited. You'll think, oh, I'm looking forward to this neighbor's party. It's going to be fun to go there. Other invitations, maybe a family gathering you'll get and you'll be like, Oh, man, do we have to go? Is your uncle going to be there again? Do we really have to go to this event? Because sometimes family gatherings aren't all they're cracked up to be. In fact, actually, we all feel sorry for Kevin in the movie because he got left home alone. But outside of the burglar's part, I think he actually quite enjoyed it. Because what it meant was he had a little bit of freedom from the, the crazy family that he was a part of. Do you remember this scene? Napkin and you're going to have to pour your own drinks. Mom, the Santa Claus have to go through customs. What time do you have to go to bed? Early. We're leaving the house at 8 a.m. on the bus. I hope you're all drinking milk. I want to get rid of it. Pizza. Right, the pizza boy needs $122.50 plus tip. For pizza? 10 pizzas times 12 bucks. Frank, you've got some money, don't you? Come on. Traveler's checks. Forget it, Frank. We have cash. You probably get the kind of traveler's checks that don't work in France. What kind of that? Plain cheese. Well, yeah, we did. But if you want any, somebody's going to have to barf it all up because it's gone. Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. Get a plate. Maybe some of you are like, that was my house just two days ago. That's how Thanksgiving is at my house. I mean, it was exactly that scene. And, you know, some of those invitations could be like, I'm just not sure if I want to go to that gathering. But 2,000 years ago, a very important invitation went out. An invitation to, to many groups of people to come and witness the birth 
of what some would have thought was just an ordinary baby, baby boy, but is actually the Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus being born. We can read about uh, his entrance into the world through several of the, the writers of uh, the accounts of Jesus' life. And, and one of them, Matthew, he tells a, um, a lot about the story. We're going to read that this morning in Matthew chapter 2 in verse uh, 1 here, verse 1 and 2, about one group that was invited. It says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Mag- Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. So the very first invitation we see here came in the form of a star. This star that was an invite to these these wise men from the east to come and see the birth of Jesus. Now, before we talk about these wise men, I better clear something up here because this can be a little bit of a source of contention for some people because um, if, like me at the Jane household, we have a beautiful nativity set in our home. It sits on the... the buffet in our dining room, and it uh, comes up every Christmas. And maybe you have one, maybe yours looks something like this. And there are some people who get a little bit frustrated with this particular nativity scene because it features both the shepherds and the wise men. Okay, and it also is Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. But right there in the nativity scene are the shepherds and the wise men. Now, we're going to discover here as we talk about the wise men, they actually didn't arrive till a little bit later. They did meet Jesus as a baby, but it would have been um, sometime after the time with the shepherds. Uh, We're not sure exactly when, but at least a couple of months after, before he was two years old, sometime in that period is when they would have showed up to meet Jesus. So some people, they they have a little bit of a hard time when they see the manger scene like that. So I just want to give you permission, if you need to this year, feel free to have a nativity scene. And if you want to move your wise men off to the side, they can just be on their way, okay? So they can kind of be over on the side of the dresser or the other end of the mantelpiece. And you can say, you know what? They're going to be there shortly, but they're on their way, okay? Because the truth is, they still are a very important part of the Christmas story. The wise men who came from the east. Now, as I was preparing for this message and I was studying, uh, I was fascinated to discover a little something that I didn't realize before and I've never really thought about before. And that is that these wise men, they came uh, from the east, probably from Babylon. And they caused quite a stir when they arrived. So first, because they were asking where the king was and they were asking Herod, who at that point was the king, where this other king was. So he naturally was a little bit afraid of what was going on. Caused a bit of a stir around Jerusalem. But a big part of the reason it caused a stir was because in Jerusalem, people weren't too fond of people from Babylon, especially the Jewish people, because they would remember that hundreds of years ago, people from Babylon, the king of Babylon, they invaded Jerusalem. And when they did, they took with them back to Babylon some of Jerusalem's finest people. In fact, a guy by the name of Daniel, about 600 years before Jesus was born, wrote about this happening. Daniel was one of the young men who was captured and taken back to Babylon. You can read about it in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. 
So as we read this story that Daniel tells us about, we discover that Daniel was one of four young people that he talks about, Daniel and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all who were taken from their home of Jerusalem and brought to this place called Babylon. So in Jewish history, this still would have been kind of a, uh, a bit of a slam on them. They wouldn't very, be very happy with these Babylonians. They would remember that time when they took their greatest people. Do you remember a few years ago when uh, LeBron James was playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers and he announced his, his time at Cleveland, his, his home country, his home state had come to an end and he was moving to Miami. And the people of Cleveland were furious that this guy would leave Cleveland to go to Miami. Well, this is how the Jews would have felt, just not quite as bad as the people of Cleveland. I mean, that was really bad. But the Jews, this is how they would feel about Babylonians because they would be thinking, they're the people that took our people that took some of our best people. And we've never got over that. We've never really forgiven them for that. And now these Babylonian wise men are coming into Jerusalem. Well, I wonder if part of the reason why they were coming into Jerusalem is because what happened hundreds of years before in the life of Daniel. Because listen to what happens when Daniel's talking about his time in Babylon. He says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 48, Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. You see, after Daniel was captured, there came a time where this, this king in Babylon was having these crazy dreams and none of his wise men could figure out what they meant. So Daniel steps forward, he says, I believe that, that my God, the God of Hebrews, the God of Israel, can interpret dreams. I believe I can tell you what your dream means. And he interpreted this dream. And, and the king was so impressed by Daniel that he elevated him to this position of importance over all of the wise men. That means for years and years to come, this young man named Daniel would have been in charge of all of these wise men telling them, about the God of Israel, telling them about um, this Messiah that the Israelites, the Jewish people believe would one day be coming, the king who would one day come. These wise men would have learned this from Daniel, maybe handed this down from generation to generation. This means those wise men were probably looking out for signs, looking out for um, the, the signs of this, this Messiah, this wise, this, this son of God to one day show up, and then suddenly they see the star. The invitation goes out, and the wise men, they make their way to Bethlehem. So we know that the Magi, the, the wise men, they responded to the invitation, but there was another group that was invited. It wasn't just the wise men that were invited to meet this Jesus, this baby Jesus. There was another group that was invited Luke tells us about them. Luke's another guy who writes about the life of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 2, he says this in verses 8 through 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today... In the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. So the wise men, they saw a star. Their invitation 
came in the form of a star. The shepherds, their invitation came from an angel. An angel appeared and said, this baby has been born. That was their invitation to go and meet this, this baby. Now, I know that maybe this morning, some of you are assuming that um, sitting in a field all night watching sheep sounds like a very glamorous job, probably reserved only for the highly educated and important people of the time. But believe it or not, it wasn't. Okay? Being a shepherd, pretty low down as far as career opportunities. In fact, if I had to kind of compare it to today, uh, if you imagine on this side of the stage, we've got the CEO of Caterpillar, okay? And then over on this side of the stage, we've got the guy who, uh, whose job it is at McDonald's to clean out the grease trap uh, uh, the, in the French fry thing, you know, okay? So you've got those two extremes. Shepherds, they're kind of over there somewhere, <laughs> okay? Shepherds were the lowest of the low, these weren't people of importance. You see, this, this particular culture, there was a time when shepherds were actually quite an important job, but things had changed. The time Jesus was born, the, the world in which uh, they lived was very different. It was a much more modern world. This Greek Hellenistic empire was growing. The Romans were very influential in moving people around that area. There was a lot of trading going on, a lot of people sailing ships to other places, so goods were coming from all over. So, so the important jobs, the people of power, they were the ones who were trading and who were um, selling products and, and, and all this new trade, all this new business that was going on. And then you had these shepherds who no one really paid much attention to because all they had to do was sit in the field and watch sheep. Maybe as they walked through town, they knew that they were kind of the, the lowest of the low. But you know what? The angels show up, and it's the shepherds who are invited. The shepherds are the ones who receive the invitation. And that's what I love about the, the narrative of that first Christmas story, is that wise men who are highly educated, very important, very wise people, they were invited to come and meet Jesus. And yet at the same time, shepherds, the lowest of the low, they were also invited to come and meet Jesus. The invitation that went out was for everyone. And I want to tell you this morning that I believe this Christmas time, that same invitation is going out to you. That you too are invited to come and meet Jesus. Jesus wants to meet with you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. The invitation goes out to you, and you may be, uh, be able to kind of compare yourself to the wise men. Maybe you compare yourself to the shepherds. Maybe you're somewhere in between. But the invitation goes out to all of you this morning. And here's a phrase I want to say a few times as we go through this message, because I want this to stick with you this morning. Because when it comes to the invitation, it wasn't the invitation that was important. It was the response. It wasn't the invitation that was important, it was the response. Let me explain what I mean by that, okay? So, so both the wise men and the shepherds, they were both invited, one by a star, one by an angel. Very um, magnificent invitations, very um, uh, special invitations. But it wasn't the invitation that was important, it was the response, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 tells us that these, these wise men, these magi, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh. These wise men, they didn't just see the invitation, they responded by bowing down and worshiping him. Maybe like the wise men, you you think you've kind of got life figured out, but no matter how much you think you've got life figured out, the invitation to meet Jesus is coming to meet you this morning. It wasn't the invitation that was important, it was the response. Maybe you're here this morning and you kind of feel more like the shepherds. Maybe you have written yourself off and for some reason. Maybe you said, oh, this, I'm not sure if this is for me. I don't mind coming to church. I'll come with my family. You know, I, I come because I'm kind of asked to come along. But that's really for them. This isn't for me. If you knew me, you'd know that me and Jesus, we're, we're not meant to, to connect. But the truth is, Jesus is speaking to you this morning as well. He's inviting you as well. Listen to how the shepherds, who very easily could have felt like that, they were the outcast, the lowest of the low. But it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. It wasn't the invitation, it was the response. When they met Jesus, when they encountered this baby, they just couldn't keep it in. They had to tell everyone they knew. They went from place to place telling everyone about this this Jesus that had been born. It wasn't the invitation, it was the response. So how will you respond to Jesus this morning? How will you respond if he's inviting you this morning? Maybe this is brand new to you. Maybe you've been coming for a while and and you're okay, you're kind of dipping your toe in the water, but you're just not sure if you're ready to go deeper. The story of Christmas, the message of Christmas is that God sent his son Jesus to earth to invite us into a relationship with him to invite us into a relationship with God through Jesus. How will you respond to that invitation this morning? Because it would be such a shame, such a shame if you missed out on the invitation, if you didn't respond because you were worried about what might happen or what might not happen. Because you know what I love about the movie Home Alone? There's, there's just these multiple stories going on. There's the whole story of how much fun Kevin has being home alone. You see all the different antics he gets up to by himself. It's like every kid's dream of being around with no parents and staying up late, eating ice cream, ordering pizza. Then there's the whole story of what it's like to, to fight off these burglars and how he came up with all these clever ideas to, to put these traps in place. But there's another story that um, sometimes we forget when we watch this movie. We miss this other story that kind of finds its way through the movie. And I'm going to refresh your memory this morning with this other story you can find in Home Alone. Check out this video. Who is he? You ever heard of South Bend Shovel Slam? No. That's him. Back in 58, murdered his whole family and half the people on his block with the snow shovel. Been hiding out in this neighborhood ever since.
Christmas. May I sit down? I'm here right now? Sure. Came to hear my granddaughter sing. And I can't come and hear her tonight. You have plans? No. I'm not welcome. At church? Oh, you're always welcome at church. I'm not welcome with my son. If you miss him, why don't you call him? I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't. Fence, but aren't you a little old to be afraid? You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid. That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark, there's weird stuff down there, and it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years. The basements are like that. Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry, and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is, you should call your son. What if he won't talk to me? At least you'll know. Then you can stop worrying about it. And he won't have to be afraid anymore. I don't care how mad I was, I talked to my dad. Especially around the holidays. I don't know. Just give it a shot. For your granddaughter anyway. I'm sure she misses you. And the presents. What about you? Me? Yeah, you and your son. We'll see what happens. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. like that scene from that movie, Jesus, the invitation has gone out to all of us. He just wants a relationship with us. For some, it may be a brand new relationship. For others, it may be a reuniting. For some, it may be stepping in deeper into that relationship. I just think it will be sad, it will be a shame this morning if, if what stops us from experiencing, responding to that invitation is what we're afraid of. What if he doesn't accept me? What if I don't measure up? What if what I did in the past is, is too much for him to forgive? I believe God wants us all to, to understand this morning that from the shepherds to the wise men, the invitation goes out to all. God sent Jesus, and at Christmas time we remember that the invitation was for us to respond with a relationship with him. And I don't want anything to come in the way of that response this morning. Because it's not the invitation that's important, it's the response. So I hope and pray that you'll respond to him this Christmas time.
that at some point today or in the coming weeks, you'll respond, maybe take a step closer in your relationship with him, give him um, more of your life. Or maybe take that very first step. Maybe the reuniting step of going back to being in relationship with Jesus again. But don't let anything stop you this Christmas time from responding to his invitation this morning to be a part of your life. Let's pray. Father, we, we love Christmas. It's a great time of the year. It's a great time to be with family and loved ones, give gifts. But ultimately, Lord, for us as followers of Jesus, it's a time to remember the very first Christmas, the, uh, the story, Lord, of you sending your son Jesus to be born a baby, that he would live his life and one day give up that life so that we could have a relationship with you. Lord, that was your invitation to us, your invitation saying that you were looking for a relationship with us. Help us not to miss that opportunity to respond, I pray. I pray, Lord, that we will all find what that response looks like for us this Christmas time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.